We thank you for the birth of your son that we can celebrate and affirm that you are a God who fulfills his promise, and we anxiously look for you, our good shepherd, to return to us. In the name of your son, amen. All right. I'll try. I'll try to do a good job. Um, real quick, <clears throat> just a, a quick commercial. Uh, next week is a very special week in the short history of Grace Life. You're going to have our first Lord's Table celebration together next Sunday. So stop sending me your emails asking, when are we going to have Lord's Supper? I'm just kidding. Um, we're going to have it. I'm excited about it. The whole service will revolve around it. We're going to be preaching on it. Um, Megan obviously will do a great job with what she does, and it'll all be nice. And, and, and the point of it next week is to make sure that you know that we will never take it for granted. Sometimes we can take the Lord's table for granted, can't we? Oh, it's the first Sunday of every month or whatever. We want to make sure that it's never taken for granted, and every time we do it, it's special. So next week is our first one. We're going to send out an email uh, to remind people to let them know that if they're here, they get extra heaven points. It's going to be a really... <laughs> Really good. My name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Life. And we've been going through this series on Philippians. This is actually the last message in the passages of Philippians. We're going to talk a little bit about it next week. But just in case you've missed a few of the messages, uh, you can be forgiven. If you the ones you missed, you go and check them out on the YouTube channel of the podcast. The first week, our launch week, we talked about grace life and how the whole book of Philippians was going to give us a view of how grace is supposed to make up our church. And we talked about suffering together, but how it's important for us to recognize that our suffering is a gift to those around us. Uh, we talked about humble love, but the fact that we cannot really love one another unless we think of others as better than our own selves. Uh, we talked about having relentless affection, that we can have affection for one another no matter what the conflict, no matter what the issues, no matter what the struggles. As a church, we must have relentless affection. We talked about affectionate accountability, about how not only before you hold someone accountable, you have to earn the right to hold them accountable. In other words, they have to trust you, but also you better be allowing other people to earn the right to hold you accountable as well. We talked about that. We talked about being aware of dogs, that one of the most important ways that we as pastors can love you is to point out when there is false teaching. Because if we don't do that, then we're not doing our job. And Paul did that in the Philippians. Uh, seventh week, we talked about the fact that I, your pastor, is very, very bad at religion. I'm really bad at religion. You guys, some of you, yes, you are. We know that. You are. <laughs> and then week eight, we talked about <clears throat> the fact that if we're children of God and God has given us grace, we will have this unbelievable supernatural ability to persevere even the hardest times. And then last week, we talked about the fact that we can call each other coach. We talked about exhortation, about how exhortation means to be alongside and call someone out. So this week, we're talking about living in gratitude. Philippians chapter 4, 10 through 23, living in gratitude. I'm going to take your perspective of gratitude and completely change it today. I believe we have a misunderstanding of what gratitude is. A lot of people think it's thankfulness. It is not thankfulness. So Philippians chapter 4, 10 to 23, I'm going to read the passage to you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. In other words, I knew you cared for me, but you really couldn't do anything to help me. Not that I am speaking of being in need. 
For I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. And I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In other words, I know how it is when I'm suffering, and I know how it is when I have a lot. I can be content. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. In other words, the circumstances don't change how I'm doing. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. It's the most misapplied passage in the scriptures. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. In other words, when I went in, there was only one church helping me. It was you guys. It's pretty amazing. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, time and again. Not that I seek the gift. I'm not looking for money, he says. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. In other words, I want you to be blessed by participating in the ministry. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you have sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint there in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. That's a pretty amazing statement. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's an incredible passage the way he finishes up this book. So let's look at the historical application. We like to look at three applications. History answers the question, what about man? What did he do and why and how did he do it? Let's talk about Paul's life of gratitude. And there are several examples of how Paul lived in gratitude with the Philippians. There was this lifestyle connection, and it wasn't just that he was thankful for what they gave him. It wasn't like that. There was this, and because he, he says, sometimes the, I have had things, and sometimes I haven't, and you knew I didn't have anything, and you wanted help, but you couldn't. So it really wasn't a question about having gratitude when they helped him. He had gratitude. He lived this life of gratitude with the Philippians all the time. And for the first thing we see in verse 10, he had gratitude for their intentions and actions. He says, I know you wanted to help, but you couldn't. And there are some times where you did help, and you could, and you did. And notice that Paul, what he does, he has this gratitude for the Philippians because he knew that they wanted to bless him, but sometimes circumstances wouldn't allow it. He was grateful for their concern. So we see that he had in this life of gratitude he was thankful for intentions as well as actions. Sometimes we feel like we hold back our gratitude on, you know, show me. Right? Proof is in the pudding. Check is in the mail. Show me first. The next thing that Paul did in his life of gratitude, under any circumstances he might face, he lived in gratitude. See, gratitude isn't just expressed when needs are met. Sometimes you don't even have needs but you receive a blessing of sacrifice anyway. And I wrote down here, because I didn't want to forget this, Paul had gratitude when he was suffering, not just when he was blessed or relieved from suffering. You see that? 
Paul lived in gratitude when things were going bad, and he lived in gratitude when things were going good under any circumstances. And then we have Philippians 4.13, the most misapplied passage. You know, a lot of football players put it on their little eye things right there. And I was with a friend about two years ago. We were watching the game. We were excited when the team was winning. Yeah, they just scored a touchdown. And the guy that scored a touchdown turned around, and he had Philippians 4.13 under his eyebrows. And my friend noticed my face got really long. Everybody's excited about the touchdown, and I, I was glad they scored. And they said, what's wrong, Joe? And I said, bad theology. It just takes the fun out when I see this. I want football to have good theology. <laughs> see, football players wearing this thing, soccer players, even though soccer players don't believe in God, it's still... <laughs> I'm just joking, people. It's just a joke. See, verse 13 isn't about accomplishment. Verse 13 is about contentment. It's not a secret to get all the things you want to be successful in to turn around and be successful. It's not a verse of motivation. Well, I could do it. Sometimes you can't. It's a verse about filtering life through grace. I'll tell you this story about an old pastor. I shared this story with some of you before, but I... When I was in South Carolina, I was a youth pastor in a church, and we had a conflict with another church where the, the girl was going to our youth group and the parents were going to another church, but they were mad at the other church for something that happened, and it was a big church downtown. It was called First Presbyterian Church, so you know it was big. And they're downtown, you know, and, and they got a big building, and, and the pastor there is an older guy, and I called him. I said, Look, I'm 27, 28, you know, expert in ministry, <laughs> youth pastor across town in a suburb church, you know. And uh, I called this pastor. He's like 63. He's got like three doctorate degrees and, you know, whatever. And I call him up and I start telling him all the things he's doing wrong with this family. And I just lay it out for him. Boom, 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 boom. And he listened. He said, thank you, Joe. I appreciate you. I'll take that under advisement. I said, all right, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear I got through to you. I hung up the phone. And about 10 minutes later, I thought, I'm an idiot. <laughs> this guy has been in ministry for 50 so I called him back, and I said, listen, Pastor, i got to tell you, I just realized what I just did was I called you up. You took my call, which you didn't have to. I ranted for 15 minutes, and if you guys know me, when I rant for 15 minutes, it's a good one, all right? I said, I ranted for 15 minutes, and you just listened and thanked me. And I said, how did you, why, what? And he says, Joe, I understood why you were calling. You're a shepherd. You love one of the people in your church. So everything you said, I knew I could filter through love. I went, wow. That's pretty amazing. See, that's what filtering life through grace means. Right? It changed my life the way he responded to me. The other way that Paul did his historical example, he was, had gratitude for the past in verse 14 and 16. He talks about the time that I was going to Macedonia and no other church supported me but you. See, human nature without grace tends to remember the past to justify anger, to justify bitterness. But Paul's example shows that living a life in gratitude enables you remember, to remember the past so that it creates love. I mean, if anyone could have justification for the past 
making him bitter, it would have been Paul. And I'll share this. If you have a long memory for mistakes and a short memory for blessings, there's a severe lack of gratitude in your life. The other thing that Paul does is he lives a life of gratitude when receiving. He was content and he didn't need it, but he would take it. Sometimes he had plenty. Sometimes he had nothing. And, and, but sometimes what happens is with us, there are people in our church, people in our lives that have a hard time receiving. Why is that? I mean, if somebody comes up to you and wants to bless you with something, no, I can't take that. Why? I'll tell you why. Because you're arrogant. See, what Paul said was, listen, I didn't need anything, but I took your gift because I wanted you to be blessed in participating. That's why if I ever go out to dinner with you and you want to pick up the check, I will not fight you. <laughs> I won't because I want you to be blessed. <laughs> but you see, you can live in gratitude. Sometimes you can... Be in a receiving mode and not be full of gratitude. See, there's a recognition because the reason is if you're living in gratitude, you recognize, and Paul said this in this passage in verse 17 to 20, you recognize the hand of God in the life of the person who's trying to bless you. And instead of making you think like it's all about you having to receive something, now I feel obligated. I hate Christmas, that part of it, by the way, feeling obligated. My, my sister and I made a deal 25 years ago. We're not ever buying anybody. We're never buying each other gifts on Christmas, and it's been great. <laughs> now, we buy them for everyone else, but my sister and I, we don't do it. And I, it's occurred to me as I was writing this, that's a great example of me not living in gratitude in that respect. Because, see, when you recognize the hand of God in someone's life, that it all belongs to him anyway, and if he wants to give you something through someone else, who are you to not take it? Now, I understand sometimes a gift might be inappropriate. I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when somebody wants to bless you. The last thing that Paul did was he lived in gratitude in a way that fostered affection. In verse 21 to 23, Paul's gratitude was simply an acknowledgement, an encouragement to them. Can you see how powerful that can be? I mean, when someone shows gratitude... For part of my life and theirs, it makes my heart sore. Imagine how the Philippians felt. You know, the time I went to Macedonia, you guys were the only ones that helped. Can you see how that would have been encouraging to them? Okay, so let's talk about the theological aspect. So what is the key to this living in gratitude? We're going to do, for two weeks in a row, we're doing this little word study. It's a Greek word study. It's real short, real easy. It's on the, the word gratitude, the Greek word for gratitude. You're going to love this. This is At least I liked it. Okay, so I, I pronounced this wrong the other day. Anna, who has a Greek family, told me I was pronouncing it wrong. So, and I knew I was pronouncing it wrong, but I'm pronouncing it wrong for you guys, so you won't feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Eucharista. Charistia. Sorry, Anna. Eucharistia. The first prefix is EU. It means good. The beginning of the word gratitude starts with good. And then the chorus, the chorus part in the middle, you know what that word means? This is going to blow you away. It means grace. So the word gratitude actually means good grace. Thank you is never anywhere in there. 
As a matter of fact, right smack in the middle of the word gratitude is this idea of undeserved favor, grace. So literally, today's word means good grace. Living in gratitude means living in good grace. The example that Paul set for us in Philippians chapter 4 was that he lived in good grace with the Philippians. It wasn't just about thankfulness. So much so, I wish the word gratitude could actually be called gracitude. It'd be more accurate. But it would sound weird. I've made up words in here before, so you can just deal with it, right? Gratitude has a very close relationship to grace. In fact, gratitude is made possible only by grace, through faith, which is a gift. That's right. See, when grace is received, it creates a lifestyle of gratitude. Here's how it works. You can't experience true gratitude without first receiving grace through faith. See, because grace, undeserved favor from God, produces humility. I can't believe you're going to give me that, but I'll take it. Grace produces humility necessary for a lifestyle of gratitude. And I will, I will share this with you, and I believe this. If you really have tasted forgiveness... If you really have experienced cleansing and healing and grace, if you really have experienced the blessing of adoption where Jesus Christ takes you from being a child of darkness, a child of sin, a child of the devil, and transforms you into a child of light, a child of hope, a child of peace, a child of God, if that has really happened in your life, you will have a new nature that allows you to live in gratitude with one another. You see how that works devotionally or uh, theologically? God enables us to live in gratitude. So let's look at the devotional part of this, okay? Gratitude isn't thank you. It's grace. See, I'm requiring you today to flip your perspective and think and change your concept of gratitude today. Because, see, thankfulness, think about this. See if you can follow me on this. Thankfulness is actually founded in your own desires being fulfilled. Paul had gratitude even when his desires weren't being fulfilled. There's nothing wrong with thank you. I'm not saying it thank you. Don't ever say thank you to one another. It's sinful. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that is not gratitude. Gratitude isn't, man, I appreciate it. And gratitude isn't something you just manipulate. I got a short video clip I'm going to show you. It's like 20, 25 years old. It's an old Bud Light commercial. Can you run that? This is great. Dad? Yeah? There's uh, something I want to tell you. What is it, son? Well, Dad, you're my dad. And I love you, man. You're not getting my Bud Light, Johnny. <laughs> For the great taste that won't fill you up and never let you down, make it a Bud Light. Right? Get it done. That's not gratitude. You see, you think God is favoring you when things are going well, don't you? 
Oh, I'm so thankful, so blessed by God with all these things that he has given me. Guys, there are believers around the world more godly than you and I who don't have even a meal to plan for the next week. Do you think they're blessed? I'm asking you, are they blessed? See, we have totally misapplied and misdefined blessing and gratitude. Do you think people who live in other parts of the world, who they're just trying to figure out how am I going to survive in this place right now and still remain a Christian tomorrow? That's what they're struggling with. Can they live in gratitude? See, gratitude is not a reaction to good things or pleasant circumstances. Gratitude isn't simply moments, little time capsules, little moments of thankfulness. That's not gratitude. Nothing wrong with capsules and time, you know, little moments of thankfulness, but that's not gratitude. Here's what gratitude is. It's acknowledging God's presence in your life. That's one. It's acknowledging God's presence in others. Like, for example, and Cindy, I hope I don't embarrass you, but we were talking, we had deep end on Tuesday night. We had a bunch of people there, and you brought up a question, and I said something, and I really meant it. I said, Cindy, I see so much evidence of Christ in your life. Remember that? I said that. And so to me, that was me living in gratitude with you because there's so much evidence of God's presence in your life. So gratitude is acknowledging God's presence in your life, acknowledging in, it, in someone else's life, and then extending God's grace to others. That's one of our core values, biblical. We will confront all cultures with grace. That's what living in gratitude is. And you can see how Philippians 4.13 would fit into that, right? Filtering life through grace. See, if grace from faith is missing in your life, you won't be able to live in gratitude. Hard as you try, you will not be able to. You, may, you might, it's possible you could say thank you every once in a while. You could even give an emotional thank you. Boy, I just can't believe you did that for me. But that's not gratitude. See, thankfulness isn't a lifestyle. Thankfulness is just a moment. A fleeting moment. But gratitude does not end. True gratitude is a lifestyle. It's selfless. It's real. It's heartfelt. It's compassion. It's forgiveness. It's service. It's recognizing that God is using people in your life to transform you, to challenge you, to change you. Therefore, living in gratitude leaves very little room. Now listen carefully. If you live a life in gratitude, it leaves very little room for impatience. It leaves very little room for anger. It leaves very little room for bitterness. It leaves very little room for unforgiveness. Do you see? You cannot be living a lifestyle of gratitude and have all those things dominating you every day. Can you imagine how attractive grace life will be when we become a church family filled with people living in gratitude to each other and to those around us? Because gratitude is a lifestyle of giving 
and receiving grace, not just from God, but from each other. Because grace produces this humility, this generosity, this compassion, and this forgiveness. All these are evidence of you living in gratitude. And you know what we call that here at Grace Life? That's what we call it. See, this is what the Grace Life is about. We've gone through this study of Philippians and we looked at the example of Paul's relationship with them and their relationship with him and with each other. And each week I've tried to give you an example of what the grace life looks like. And it all culminates with a people that are living in constant gratitude with one another. Not thankfulness, but gratitude. And what is gratitude? Good grace. Are we going to be a church that lives in good grace? I hope so, because if Christ really dwells within us, that is what will happen. And when it does, people aren't going to be able to stay away. Dad, we just ask that you would help us to learn to live in gratitude. Help us to recognize that thankfulness is good, but it's not gratitude. Lord, help us to see that gratitude is actually the grace life. Amen.